Blade, a helicopter taxi service that initially became popular for its private flights, bringing wealthy clients in and out of the Hamptons, is coming to the public markets via a reverse merger with Experience Investment Corp., a SPAC backed by travel and leisure private equity firm KSL Capital. I'm joined by Eric Affeld, the chief executive officer and chairman of Experience Investment Corp. Eric, great to see you this morning. Great to see you, Hope. Thanks for having me on. Well, of all the targets, why was Blade the most compelling investment opportunity? Well, we formed um, our SPAC in October of 2019 before SPACs became the flavor of the day, actually. And I vividly remember having to explain to family and friends what the heck a SPAC was all about, uh, having previously run a, a company that we took public through normal way. So uh, we, pre-COVID, we saw an awful lot of companies, we specifically focus in the travel and leisure related industries. Our first investment actually back in 1990. I'm going to date myself here, 1992, was in a FBO business, a fixed-based operator operating uh, effectively landing places for private aviation. So we've been around the airspace for a long time. We looked at a variety of different investments in a variety of different sectors within travel and leisure, including a company that was into electrification, a retrofitting of existing small passenger aircraft. Um, and another company that was looking at electrification of last mile delivery vehicles. So we saw quite a few things uh, in the electrification space, the travel space, the transportation space. We were introduced to Blade about six months ago. Many of our partners had been working in New York for several years and we're very familiar with the service. And then our partners at Ross Aviation, which is an existing portfolio company for KSL Capital, which has an operation in Westchester, uh, county there just outside of Manhattan said this is really an interesting business and we think it's uh, valid and credible as it exists today and as you and your listeners readers know the world of travel in general is moving electric and so we said wow this is quite an interesting business as it exists as it's uh, today has seen rapid growth and adaptation of their current routes and with electric coming in two, three, four years, we think there's even more opportunity to expand the total addressable market globally, not just here in the United States. Well, I wonder what circumstances, I mean, a lot has happened in the last six months. You know, just a year ago, I was sitting in an Uber Elevate taxi service that was set to launch. And we know that there are rumors that Uber might be dissolving that or, or at least disintegrating it internally and maybe selling it elsewhere. What circumstances this year, the past 12 months, have you seen that really validates the thesis here for Blade? Well, pre-COVID, and I'm going to refer to some notes here, there were uh, massive, and by massive, I mean 80 plus percent increases in people using the, air, the airport into the city service, which is ultimately going to be quite a large driver for the company. Obviously, that changed overnight with the COVID situation. But then in the fall here, I guess October, going back to October of 2019, they saw another 50% increase in utilization. So absent COVID, the company was on a very, very uh, fast trajectory towards significantly higher usage and thus revenues and ultimately profitability. What happens, how quickly all of the aviation industry, transportation industry, every industry bounces back from COVID is a little bit of anybody's guess, but obviously we're all thrilled to be having a vaccine that's now being rolled out. And I think based on some of the trends that you saw 
in U.S. travel around Thanksgiving, despite Dr. Fauci's encouragement not to do so, you saw tra air travel at levels that were not seen since pre-COVID. So people clearly want to travel by air. And in our case, it's a story that not many people realize yet, nor do they realize how affordable it is. So we think that coming out of COVID, this is gonna be a, a very fast growing company. Well, I wonder as well, I mean, people have really been traveling also more by, by automobile, wanting to get away from that mass transportation. I wonder if you have seen any of that in the airspace as well and Blade providing that alternative where if you are going, you know, short enough distances that this is an alternative where you can buy quantity then be able to bring that cost down. Yeah, I, I think the, the name of the game here, and if you look at kind of our investment thesis, there's, there's really three key things that you have to assume or believe. One of which you just touched on, and that is that the average consumer, not the uber wealthy consumer, but the average consumer, um, I won't put you in that category, but me, is looking for speed and convenience. You wanna get to your destination as quickly as you can, and you want it to be convenient. And today, urban mobility doesn't offer either of those things. So we do think, again, that more and more people, assuming that it's affordable, and Blade has created a product specifically from the airport into Manhattan that might take you two hours, as you know, if you're on the ground, which takes five to seven minutes if you're in the air for roughly $195. That's not Richie Rich stuff. That's getting into the, you know, the place where average people can afford to buy the speed and convenience. I think the other two things that you have to assume, and we have, which is why we're making this investment, is that global urban transportation is only gonna get more difficult. And if you've flown around the world, I've been fortunate enough to do so, I don't have to tell you the hassles. We think we got it bad here in New York or Los Angeles or San Francisco. I mean, go to Bangkok, go to, you know, pick at Singapore, go to any major urban market in the world and that problem is only getting worse because frankly, the alternatives don't exist. You're not gonna expand the roads. Going underground is prohibitively expensive in most markets in the world. Uh, so the answer we think is in the air. So assuming global air transportation becomes increasingly more difficult. And lastly, assuming, and this is a pretty easy assumption when you look at the fact that major OEMs, Boeing, Airbus, et cetera, have already invested $5 billion into the future generation of electric vertical takeoff or landing aircraft. There was just an article in the Wall Street Journal a week ago talking about one of the manufacturers entering into an agreement with the Air Force to use piloted, not, auto not autonomous, piloted uh, vehicles, electric vehicles, to move people in and out around military installations. It's, it's not only coming, it's here, electric travel via what we would call helicopters today primitively is already taking place in Dubai and Singapore and South Korea and many other places around the globe. So if you combine the fact that there are manufacturers spending billions for next-gen transportation with the fact that urban transportation today is a nightmare, uh, right. we think it adds up to a pretty compelling story. I want to break apart the, the arguments here because you touched upon a lot. And the first one, I'll, I'll go back to the, the story that I had said earlier, that I told you earlier, which was, you know, about a year ago, I was in an Uber Elevate, you know, taxi service 
where could Blade succeed where Uber did not see the opportunity or did not manifest that appropriately? Well, it's, it's a great question. And, and um, logically, you would think a company like Uber, uh, which is moving people around in an affordable fashion, uh, would be interested in this space. And they were. They formed a division that was specifically focused on, I think they called it Uber I, want, I don't want to say Uber Lyft because that Uber Air, I think, you know, I mean, in the drop down options, it was in that app. They, they had this whole vision of right. where you needed to go, whatever you needed was, it was in that app. So, so yeah, go, go through that a little bit. Their, their headquarters uh, are in New York City. They tried to launch a service there. Uh, and there's a couple of components here. One is access to aircraft. And in our case, we don't own the aircraft, just like Uber doesn't own the cars that their people drive around. The people who fly the aircraft, unlike Uber, have to be really, really tr professionally trained. This is not like a, a weekend job where I just say, I'm going to go fly my helicopter around and pick up people. That's probably I wouldn't fly with those folks. So the, the bigger piece of the puzzle is you have to have a place to land and take off. And Blade has successfully, over the last six years, negotiated deals with places to land and take off particularly in the New York City market and throughout the Northeast Corridor. And this is something that we think we're going to be able to help with at KSL Capital with our background in FBOs to increase the number of spots that people can land and take off. And so a big chunk of the capital that we're going to be deploying to help Blade is going to go to acquiring, as we refer to it, infrastructure. Blade didn't have it, or I say Blade didn't have it, Uber didn't have it, couldn't get it and therefore backed away from making this a, a bigger initiative. Real estate, so actually having that access is, is important. And that leads me to, before we get into the other arguments, parts of the arguments, the Ross Aviation Group, which KSL owns, this, this airport services group. Talk about how that will be maybe a foundation or a starting point, how you'll expand upon that, what, what really that will do in terms of now with the Blade partnership. Well, again, as I, as I opened with, we've been investing in private aviation for almost three decades. And if your choice was to drive from, I'll pick Westchester, or from Long Beach, California into downtown, or to Santa Monica, or to someplace else, pick a suburb in Chicago, or San Francisco, or today in India, Blade is currently operating. Uh, and again, back to my earlier comment, this is going to be a global phenomenon. So if you have the ability to drive 10, 15, 20 minutes to a private airport and jump on a Blade helicopter and then transport into the city uh, or to another private airport or wherever is closer and more convenient for you, it just unlocks a ton of potential to expand the footprint for these Blade lounges where you go and, and move about uh, far more quickly. Again, I'm gonna come back to the whole concept of speed and convenience. So. Number one, Westchester obviously is a very desirable location in the New York market. Uh, back on the West Coast, where Blade is currently has limited operations, we think our Long Beach, the Ross Aviation Long Beach operation will be helpful. And, we, and I know having run uh, an FBO company in my past background, that if there are ways for those entities, uh, private airports, if you will, to get more revenue by renting space or selling space to a company like Blade, like everybody else, they're looking for ways to increase their revenues as well. Makes a lot of sense. Then you keep talking about the vision of, of global and, and really expansion to the point where it could become sort of a little mainstream, more mainstream. What needs to happen to get to that point where it does come down 
to a price point where somebody would look at the options of taking a, you know, a car, driving themselves where that value of their time is equal to the value or maybe even, you know, less than maybe taking a blade service? I think there's a couple of, of factors that come into play here. One is FAA uh, regulations, certification requirements, et cetera. We're very fortunate in that one of our board nominees, Jane Garvey, is the former uh, administrator of the FAA, as well as the former chairwoman for Air, uh, United Airlines. Uh, we have other directors, uh, Ted Phillip, who's currently on the board of United Airlines. They're very familiar with dealing with the FAA. They're very familiar with going through the re regulatory requirements. I think, again, there's different uh, regulatory requirements around the world. Uh, Blade has a partnership in India, uh, which was established somewhere between six and nine months from point of negotiating a contract to actually having Blade lounges operational and flying passengers. Uh, the response was uh, immediate. Uh, I can't recall again the number of repeat users, but it was north of 50% of the people who originally tried it got back on and did it again. And so we think the opportunity globally is going to be quite substantial, although our projections that were put out yesterday focus almost exclusively on the United States and almost exclusively there on the Northeast Corridor. So we think there's a, a very high probability that the company ramps to $400 million in revenues over the next three to four years, uh, becomes quite profitable, and that's without assuming any significant movement either to the West Coast or to any place else in the US or globally. I wanna talk about the FAA. I wanna get your reaction to Pete Buttigieg now being named the transportation secretary. I mean, I know it's very, you know, recent news. So even if you had initial impressions of maybe how this new administration might treat more of this type of innovation. Yeah, I, I don't have a reaction to Buttigieg being named uh, the head of the FAA, but I, I think it is, and, and I, I'll be so strong as using the word inevitable, that transportation is moving more electric. The current, Elaine Chow, the current FAA director, has said that they have been actively studying eVTOL uh, alternatives, proposals, et cetera, and frankly does not see, and, and I don't have the direct quotes from the other people from the FAA, but the line of, of argument has been, we don't see any major hurdles from moving from traditional rotocraft to electrification. And again, what I began with, uh, I believe the new administration is gonna be even more interested in alternative forms of energy and moving people around in a quieter, cleaner, and ultimately less expensive way. Yeah, quieter, I think key, especially in New York, as there have been many controversies around, you know, the ex explosion of, of more travel by, by helicopter. What needs to happen? I mean, what's the timeline, right, to get electrification up in the air? It's slowly but, but surely happening on the ground with, with cars. Well, I'm, I'm going to try to find um, some quotes here from uh, FAA, and, and, and actually I'll just pass that up. The, there are analysts, Morgan Stanley has an analyst who has suggested that this particular space is going to be $125 billion uh, worth of valuation uh, by 2024 or 2025. 
Uh, and that coincides with the time that many experts say that eVTOL will just be taking off. So the quotes that I was gonna refer to, and I think it's in some of the materials that were posted yesterday uh, in conjunction with our filing, would suggest that the FAA is currently actively evaluating, meaning today evaluating even eVTOL uh, manufacturers. And so I, we, we don't assume that we're gonna be using the technology until 2025. I'd be surprised if it weren't before then, because as I said earlier in our conversation, these things are being flown around the world today. Now let's talk about one business line that many people might not be aware of, which is Blade Medi Mobility. Let's sort of go into that a little bit if you can, why it's important and what it does right now for the business. Well, as again, your viewers, listeners know, uh, metamobility, or maybe they don't know just because they might not be familiar with that term, but it's moving human organs uh, in organ transplant situations, which you do know uh, is, is very, very time sensitive. You've got to be able to move the organs as quickly as possible to get them to where they're going to be implanted. Uh, today, uh, if you listen to some of the doctors at NYU Langone, they will flat out say what used to take us two, three, four, five hours to move an organ with the blade product takes five, 10, 15, 20 minutes. And if you're talking about saving someone's life, that's gigantic. Uh, as part of our due diligence, I spoke with a, with a helicopter operator uh, that currently operates 17 aircraft around the United States. And his comment was, Today, we, we, our company, is one of the leaders in moving these organs around. He said, I think this is a huge business that, uh, that today is relatively untapped. And we believe that the first applications for electri electrified transportation will include the metamobility and, you'll, and they will be piloted, which is a whole other interesting thing because there are people who speculate that at some point, just like uh, Tesla and Uber and others have said, we're just going to have, we're, we're not going to have anybody in the car. You're going to call Uber and the car will show up all by itself and take you away to someplace. I don't know about that for me right now, right. but the first applications for eVTOL are absolutely going to be piloted and we believe they'll be using our locations. Right. And I think that might give some potential customers satisfaction and in, in, in the safety aspect of having enough of those trips before they get on. What about the vaccine distribution? I wonder if there has been any conversation already to, to distribute these. I mean, there, there's a very short time window, uh, you know, depending on any talks there. I haven't heard of anything, although it, it would certainly be logical that um, drones or other means of transporting uh, product, in this case, not people, would be a logical way to move the vaccine around. But I, that, that's way out of my pay grade. I really don't know. Well, we talked a lot about transportation today, obviously, because we're talking about Blade going public. But what are the other sectors that you might have your eye on in terms of, you know, SPAC now being the new black, as some people like to say? <laughs> uh, well, we're, we're one and done. As you know, the rules require, I think, that, uh, that a SPAC invest 80 or 85 percent of their proceeds into one company. Um, so this is, this is it for Experience Investment Corp. Whether or not we would ever do another one, I don't know. That's up to my partners at KSL to figure that out. But we do believe, and this goes back to the history of KSL having invested in travel and leisure for 30 years, that uh, again, back to my fundamental assumptions at the beginning that, you know, you got to make investment bets on certain key theses, thesis, 
ours today is that global transportation only gets worse and that a lot of people are investing in next-gen technology and people are focused on speed and convenience. If you apply that to the travel and leisure related industries, I don't think that COVID is going to stop people from wanting to have vacations or to visit with their families um, or to enjoy experiential whatevers, whether that's bicycle trips, hiking trips, you name it. Uh, it's one of the reasons we named ourselves Experience Investment Corp because we were looking for companies that were exp more experiential in nature than simply owning a brick and mortar building. So unless you believe that people at this point have said, that's it, I never want to go to Europe again. I never want to see the Grand Canyon, which I don't believe. <laughs> we think there's going to be plenty of opportunities in the broader travel and leisure world. Eric, thank you so much for sharing your time and experience with us today. My pleasure, Hope. Thank you.